Neither of the old otters was afraid, so Tarka swam without diving. The lights made the three cubs uneasy. As they drifted nearer, rumbling sounds came on the night breeze, which had arisen two hours since with the flowing of the tide over the estuary bar. Soon the sweep of the fresh lessened, for the tide was pressing against the river. A wavelet lifted Tarka and passed behind him. Another curled like a long razorfish shell and broke over him. He shook the water from his whiskers and licked his lips, liking the strange taste. He lapped and drank. The forerunning press of the young tide lifted him up and down and chopped with playful foam at his pate. On every ribbed shoal and mud bank, the wavelets were lapping the stones and stocks, lapsing with faint trickling sounds and leaving the domes of froth which trembled and broke in the wind. As the otters swam down with stronger strokes, the mud banks changed to sandy shoals and air bubbles out of the ragworm's holes shook up in the shallow water through which they paddled. Long dark shapes rode on the water, swinging slowly in the tide, and the wavelets went flip-flop against them. Tarka was afraid of the salmon boats, but the old otters ignored them. The lamplights on the bridge were now very large and bright and had ceased to twinkle. They passed more boats at their moorings. The rumbling noise of traffic on the bridge were loud and figures were seen. In front, 24 archers of different shapes and sizes bore the long bridge. Grey Muzzle dived and the four followed her. She had caught the scent of men and dogs blowing from the bridge, 200 yards in front. Underwater, Tarka swam until he could swim no more, and rising quietly to vent, he turned his head to see if any danger were near, and swam on. He rose to breathe nine times before reaching the bridge, and the eighth rising brought him under one of the archers. He swam hard against the tide, pouring between two piers. This was the first time Tarka passed under the ancient long bridge, which the monks built across their ford two centuries before the galleons were laid down in the shipyards below to fight the Spanish Armada. When the otters had passed under the bridge, they had to swim hard, keeping near the right bank of the rivers to avoid the main flow of the tide. Flukes were caught in the estuary that night by the otters, diving to deep water. They were not easy to find, for the dabs and place lay flat on the sand when they saw the dark shapes above them, and their sand-speckled backs hid them. The otters raked the bottom with their paws, driving up the fish, which they seized and took on the bank 
to eat. In the nights that followed, Tarka learned to eat crabs, cracking them with his teeth. With the other otters, he sought the shellfish among the rocks below the stone quay of a fishing village at the meeting place of the two rivers, where often at night they were disturbed by the pailfuls of rubbish flung over by the natives. Once a pailful of hot ashes came down, burning both Tarka and White Tip. By day, the otters slept in the reeds of a duck pond, which they reached by drifting with the tide up the other horn of the estuary and turning into the Branton Pill, where catchers and gravel barges were moored. At dawn, they left the salt water and rang over the eastern seawall to the duck pond shaped like a ram's horns. In the breakish waters of the duck pond, the otters took mullet, which had been washed in when the seawall had broken years before, and rainbow trout put there by the owner. Old Nog fished these waters, and at night many kinds of wildfowl flapped and quacked beside the reeds. Mallard, Widgeon, teal, coot, dabchick, and strays of the duck family, shoveler, pochard, and golden eye. On the fourth night of the otter's arrival at the Ramshorn duck pond, the swallows which settled among the reed maces at sunset did not sleep. They twittered among themselves when the first stars gleamed in the water, for they had received a sign to leave the green meadows they loved so well. They talked in the undersong voices, which men seldom hear, they are so soft and sweet, while clinging to the unburst heads of the reed maces. They talked of the white and grey seas, of winds that fling away the stroke of wings, of great thundershocks in the sun-whitened clouds under, of wild rains and hunger and fatigue to come before they saw again the sparkles in the foam of the African strand. But none talked of the friends who would fall in the sea or be slain in France and Spain and Italy, or break their necks against the glass of lighthouses. For the forktail birds of summer had no thought of these things, or of death. They were joyous and pure in spirit, and alien to the ways of man. <laughs> 